morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to our interview podcast, episode number 188, I believe it is. And this week, we're, we're revising something that I haven't done for a while. Uh, we're doing the, the quick hitter format, and if, if you've uh, listen before, you know, every once in a while, instead of just having one coach on or we're doing the round tables, uh, every once in a while, I'll just get three or four people on the on the phone here or live discussion or whatever you want to call it. And we will uh, just kind of chew the fat on, on one big idea per coach. And so that's what we're going to do here this week. I've, I've been kind of keeping this in the bag, and I've got some really good folks lined up here. So I hope you folks enjoy this week's podcast. Of course, before we get going this week, we, of course, want to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you or any of your athletes are struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see COSAC Chiro- Chiropractic. Uh, check out their practice at KOSAKCHIRO.com. Follow us on Twitter at a pin an app and we try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. If you're listening, go to iTunes, download, rate, review, give us a five-star review so that we will go up in the rankings when folks look for coaching basketball podcasts. If you the, the, the better the reviews we get, the higher we move up, and then and that's good for everybody. So uh, please do that if you would be so inclined. Questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me a pen and a napkin at gmail. Dot com And I am really excited to start off this week's Quick Hitter podcast with my friend John Carrier out of the Twin Cities, most specifically St. Paul. Again, want to be fair, John, as we talked pre-roll here. I, wanna, I, I don't want uh, one or the other to feel bad. So, But from Nova Classical High School in St. Paul, Minnesota, Mr. John Carrier, very popular Twitter handle and a lot of just a lot of really, really good stuff. So Really excited to have John on here. So, how you doing tonight, buddy? Hey, just living the dream, man. You know, we, uh, you know, we wrapped up summer stuff at the end of uh, July, and just kind of had a little time in August here for you know fishing and just kind of hanging out and getting school rolling. So, can't complain. Yeah, well, it is the land of ten thousand lakes, so you have mm-hmm. plenty of options to go fishing in. So, uh, uh, but uh, really excited. We, uh, John, and I, I think John's been on at least one other time before. Um, and we've been on some video calls together. And, and yep. so we, we, we know each other a little bit here. And uh, John had a deal that uh, he put on Twitter a few weeks ago. And that was actually uh, no, uh, not uh, not making this up. This was, you know, that post was kind of the impetus for uh, the, the inspiration for this quick hitter uh, weekly segment here. It just kind of took me a while to kind of get to this point. Uh, but but John had a, a a post, and he had a really really great idea with something called a connection log, and I think this is a really good idea for us as coaches uh, to you know beg borrow and and adapt to our own program. Uh, so so John, let's start with this. Where uh, where was your inspiration for this? What what was your uh, what brought you to the point where you thought this this would be a good idea for our program? So one of the things that I do is uh, I try to do a lot of handwritten stuff for our guys. So mm-hmm. at the end of every season, they get a handwritten note mailed to them thanking them. I do the same at the end of the summer. But I have these little, like, cards I've printed out. Basically just, you know, you, you know there's four of them on, like, a sheet of, uh, you know, a sheet of paper. And uh, 
and so anyway, you know, just kind of like putting you up cards, you know, JP yep. Nurbin stuff. Um, yep. And so, yeah, so it's card stock cut into quarters, and they just say putting you up on the top with our logo. And yeah, I started thinking, well, I better, you know, I better track these because, you know, I don't want to give six to one guy and another guy gets none. Correct. Um, but then I started going deeper with it, thinking about how, you know, I want to make sure that every student, every player in our program, gets connections with coaches, whether it's me or another coach, but they, they do something. So I know during the year, you know, I've got formal and informal one-on-ones, um, you know, just pulling a guy aside, telling him, you know, he did a good job or, you know, whatever. Um, it's also a way to log if, you know, I've gotten into a guy a little at practice and I thought maybe it was too much, you know, looking at like, okay, you've gotten into this guy three days in a row, something's going on. You better, you, know, you better look at this yeah. or, you know, yep. whatever. But it's it just, I mean, really, all it is is a Google Doc, and it's part of our bigger – it's not a Google Doc, it's a Google Sheet. But it's part of our bigger – you know, I've got that big coaches sheet with all the tabs on the bottom. Sure. And so, you know, if one of our coaches has a one-on-one conversation with a player, you know, it could be a formal, like, hey, you know, we're going to talk about your role. It could be an informal, hey, you know, I just checked in with him for the weekend. You know, I want to check in verbally, even if it's a five- to ten-second convo yeah. with everybody each week, right? Mm-hmm. We've got – 30 kids in our program, I just want to make sure nobody's missed. So yeah. it's really easy. I just log in, you know, I've got a little, you know, a little thing for the different, you know, like a put up card, a conversation, um, a put up at the end of the practice. Um, and our put ups are just something positive, you know, putting up somebody, something positive. And, uh, and, you know, we just log them in there and it takes, you know, 10 seconds to go in and put what did, but it just ensures that, that every kid in our program is being connected with. And we, we know that every kid is not going to connect. I shouldn't say kid, but every player is not going to connect the same amount or the same level with, with you or with your staff. But sure. just that every kid's got that opportunity to be connected with and we're not, you know, we're not missing anybody. Because there always is, you know, that good kid that works hard, yeah. flies under the radar, and you realize at the end of the year, you haven't really done much for him. Sure. But he's, you know, but he's a really important part. He's a good dude, but you haven't connected with them a lot, mm-hmm. you know? So it's just that, it's that ability. Plus also it's, you know, am I, am I having too many private conversations with some of my better guys and maybe, you know, I shouldn't say better, but like more more talented, you know, our higher scores, whatever it is, and maybe some other guys haven't got that attention. We can shift to make sure they're feeling connected. Mm-hmm. So do you have, uh, as this has evolved, because this is a pretty new thing, isn't it for you, John? Yes. Yep. Okay. So do you have different, categories of of connections so like uh you know i don't know let's say that different tabs of you know formal sit down uh you know side discussion during workouts uh talk to them in the hallways or or anything like that or how do you how do you how do you describe the, the the interactions yeah, so right now on the far on the far right, you know, and it helps our coaches too. I've just got a key, so like a put up card, personal convo, uh, you know, putting them up at the end, one on one meeting, you know, outside of practice, um, you know, check in is another one, you know, just like a you know, just like an informal check in, mm-hmm. and then so what happens is I've got my our players' names on the far left. And then just across the top, I've got different columns that say connection on the top of each one. Mm-hmm. And so I go in, I put the date, and I put what kind of check-in it was because that, again, helps us track 
um, you know, what what players are getting and that they're getting connected with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, your, your whole staff has access to this, so they can enter anything yes. at any time, right? Okay. And so my hope is that, you know, and again, I'm not, it's asking a lot from high school coaches who aren't paid a whole lot as, you know, as assistants. And so, but I would, but I would like them to go in and, and log when they've done things so that, you know, we can look back and say, you know, across the program, who's getting connected and who isn't. And, uh, and with who too, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. if my, you know, my JV coach is doing a lot with a couple of the JV guys and I haven't really connected with those guys in, you know, a couple of, you know, weeks I might want okay I'm going to check in see how they're doing even mm-hmm. if it's a and second informal conversation you know just again helps me just keep track of it because there's so much as a high school coach you know this is your second full-time job and so sure. you know there's a lot to do and you know I'm going to miss there's going to be times I connect with somebody and don't put it on here but you know again it's it's one of those like just trying to help me be more organized mm-hmm in the short time that you've you've done this, has there been much of an evolution with it so far? Nope. I, I started it in the middle of July. Uh-huh. So we're just into, you know, mostly we have like one column of dudes who have gotten put-up cards to make uh-huh. sure that everybody got one by the end of, of the summer. Uh-huh. Um, you know, then we'll add in when I send some stuff home or, you know, or for example, you know, I go and see soccer. So then I put in, or, you know, our soccer players that I went and saw them play. Mm-hmm. Or, oh. you know, those kinds of things. So, so, so any sort of, uh, yeah, like, you know, what we, what most of us do and all of us should be doing when you go out yep. and watch your guys play, play, like you said, a soccer match, or in my case, I go and watch our girls play a volleyball match or go watch a cross-country meet. That's also something that you're logging to make sure that you're covering your bases as much as you can there. Yeah. Okay. And it's, just, it's helpful, you know, to to make sure you're touching base and, and you know trying to, again trying to see you know students outside of just basketball players too. Yeah. You know? and, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What? Uh, you know, again, it, it's a very um, it, it's it's not a lot of data to draw no. from right now, uh, but in the in the month or so that you've done this, uh, have you noticed? any changes within your program or how your coaches or maybe even yourself, how you communicate and, and perhaps what effect has that had on your, your team, your relationships, maybe your, your performance on the floor Uh, has, has any of that kind of, do you, do you feel like that has borne itself out with the, with the small amount of data uh, that you've had so far? I mean, to be frank, I don't think we have enough data yet, Uh but I have, Notice that I'm I'm more intentional about like you know on, on those down moments we're getting water we're doing you know we're getting something more intentional okay who haven't I touched base with lately uh-huh. you know hey I'm gonna go you know he, we're getting we get you know we're one minute in between water I'm gonna go over and you know see what ask this dude what he's doing this weekend or you know just check in because I haven't you know I haven't really touched base with you know I haven't made a connection with with this player in a little while so uh-huh. yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, so that that's a. And I'll be honest. Like, there's times that when I do it, it feels like almost hokey. But I also really put a premium on personally making sure that every uh, player in our program does feel connected with, and like you know, like coaches genuinely do care. So I think, well, yeah, you know, it's hokey. And I'm sure a lot of people listen and say, well, I don't need a list to make sure I'm connecting with everybody. And 
you know, a lot of people probably don't, but they're probably also smarter than I am. <laughs> no, 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 not uh, not in the least, man. Uh, but I think that you make a great point is uh, none of, uh, I don't want to say none of us, the the 99.999% of us really want all of our players to have a great experience. Yeah. And we do feel bad if a player or a parent says, well, my, my son or daughter doesn't really feel like uh, they've connected with you. Because I think, you know, only only a handful of, of coaches in Minnesota, however many classes you have in Minnesota, are going to walk away with a state championship every year. Same thing in Nebraska. Yeah. Only so many teams are going to make the state semifinals. Only so many teams are going to make the state tournament, so forth and so on. But what we can do, and and this is a thing that on those in those years, and if you do this long enough, inevitably it's going to happen. You're going to have a down year or two, and yeah. if you are having, if you are creating a system to where even if the wins and losses aren't where you would like for it to be at, uh, those are tough years because people have expectations and things like that. But you can negate that a little bit where say, hey, you know what? Yeah, it sucked that, you know, with Coach Carrier last year, we went 10 and 10. I thought we were, you know, hopefully we were going to go 15 and 5, but we went 10 and 10. Uh, but we had a great experience. And I really felt like I was connected to the staff. And this is this is a way that you can you know, use that, you know, we've all been there, John, you know, Billy and Billy's yeah. mom and dad come in. You don't care about my son. You don't know. Well, Hey, you know, if you, if you want to go there, here's our connection log. Here's all the conversations that me and myself or myself and my coaches had with Billy throughout the year. We worked really hard to have a lot of conversations and really get to know Billy. So I, I, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I think you're wrong there, Mrs. Smith. And, and I, I think it's just a way to really, uh, create a it, it's a good way for coaches to be cognizant of our our biggest mission was which is to make sure that the kids have a great experience that's a long and roundabout way for me saying that john i'm sorry that you lost 90 seconds of your life listening to my verbal diarrhea there but that was good but you know and to be honest one of the things i have thought about is i probably wouldn't call this out with parents because i don't want to make it about the numbers yeah uh but, I mean, you know, but I think for some coaches, I think it probably would be a good tool in a meeting to say, listen, you know, I'm, I'm trying. Like, I've done, you know, we've done X, Y, and Z, and, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you don't want it to be uh, kind of like we were talking pre-roll. You don't want it to be a check mark. Okay, we got to do this. We got to do yeah. this. We got to do this. It, it's not an obligation. Uh, you want your relationships to be genuine, but it's a way for you to make sure that, you keep your relationships genuine with as many players as you can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's, and that to me, like the relationship is more, more important to me. Cause I, I don't want, I, I honestly, I don't want our players to know I'm doing this. Sure. Cause I don't want them to feel like, well, it's just checking a box. It's not, mm-hmm. but it's keeping me accountable to make sure that every, everybody in our program gets, you know, gets the attention they all deserve. Cause mm-hmm. we have great dudes in our program and they deserve to be, you know, to be connected with. But, yeah, I don't want them to feel like, well, you know, he's just doing this so you can check off a check. No, mm-hmm. I'm doing this I really care about. You know, I care about our guys and want them to feel that connection. So so, so what's the plan when you get into the season? You know, it's it's a little bit easier to do in June and July when you don't have as many moving parts flying around and, and, and uh, everything in that regard. So w- what's the plan in the season? How are you going to stay on top of this? 
Yeah, you know, and, and I'm not going to expect a whole lot from our coaching staff because our staff is amazing, and, uh, you, you know, they do too much as it is. Um, but, you know, usually when I'm done with, with a practice or a game, I kind of sit down, reflect, and then plan the next one. Uh-huh. And so during that time, you know, it's going to take me three minutes to run through here and be like, all right, these are the dudes that connected with Dunn, you know. Yeah. Fill it out, you know, after practice while I'm, while I'm planning the next day or mm-hmm. after, you know, after the game or, you know, sometimes it goes late in the morning when I'm planning practice and, you know, again, just having it, part, you know, having to be like anything, right? Having to be part of your routine. Yeah. Well, it, and there's not, you, you know, one of the things I got from, I think it was Dan Hughes from the Seattle Storm, he had a mm-hmm. checklist of things that he wanted to make sure that he accomplished after practice. And it's been a good way for me. So I, I print that off every day with my practice plan. And, it, and it's, it's genuinely part of my practice plan. And what it is, John, is there's, there's two basic checklists of about 10 things. There's a, a daily checklist for our team. And it's got questions on there like, did we have fun? Did we work hard? Were we mentally tough? Were we physically tough? Were we great teammates today? Uh, you know, kind of the biggest thing at the bottom, did we improve our relationships with our players? And and then underneath that, uh, I've got a checklist about 10 things for our coaching staff. Did our coaching staff communicate well? Did, uh, did we have good repetition on skills, key skills and concepts? Did we, did we build positive relationships, empower our players, you know, that type of thing. And then I've got about six or seven things that we think is important to our program when it comes to X's and O's, you know, uh, did we close out today? Did we work on our transition defense today? Did we get in 20, 20 to 30 minutes of shooting? And I think with these, and, and for me, kind of like with your deal, it only takes me two or three minutes, but I've really noticed over the last three seasons that that has really, when I feel like I've, when I start going in a direction I don't want to go in, whether that's with individuals, with our coaching staff, with our, our base philosophy and what we think is important fundamentally, it's a great way to yeah. steer me back into things. Now you're going a little bit more into depth into one area, but I think uh, the point being is is if you uh, construct these things for yourselves and your and your program, it's going to help keep. It, it's going to be a tool that you can use to keep your program on the path that you want to keep it on yep. uh, for the long term. Yeah. So, uh, anything else on your connection log, John? No, I mean it's, again, it's pretty, pretty basic, pretty straightforward. So, I mean, it's you know, it, it's but I, but I think it's going to be helpful for us to make sure that we're, you know, we're connected with all of our all of our players. Yep, yep. Well, uh, if folks want to know more about it, where can they find you at? And if they're not following you, they're 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 nuts. Uh, but, but, uh, you know, if folks want to know more about this, how do they find you, buddy? So I talk way too much on Twitter. Um, it's at, uh, John, J O H N C A R R I E R four two. That's probably the best way to, uh, way to find me. All right, John, I always appreciate your time. Great stuff, man. Let's keep in touch. All right. All right, man. Take care. Thank you. Yep. Coaches, do you want to look good? Stupid question. Of course you want to look good. We all want to look good. You know what's the best way to look good? Buying yourself some a pen and a napkin merchandise. We've got some really, really good looking stuff here. We've got t-shirts and sweatshirts, and you are not going to regret picking that up. T-shirts are $22 a piece. 
Sweatshirts are $30 a piece. If I need to mail it to you, it's just $5 shipping and handling to get this good-looking stuff out to you. Coaches, I appreciate all that you've done for me over the last three years or so with a pen and a napkin. I hope I've been able to help you out. Might as well come out and help out the Twitter handle and the podcast by ordering some a pen and a napkin merchandise. And like I said, you get to look good. If you're interested in ordering, you can DM me on Twitter at a pen and a napkin, send me a direct message, or you can email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, and I'll get you those ordering details so that you can order some a pen and a napkin merchandise. Next up on our quick hitters this week is Yusuf Larry. Uh, coach Larry is the girls basketball coach at Memorial High School in Houston, Texas. And just by fate, uh, Coach and I ended up sharing a suite with about six or seven other coaches at Snow Valley a few weeks ago. And one of the evenings, I think it was at, was it was it supper or lunch? coach that that we were it had to be lunch so it was lunch yeah. yeah it was lunch and and coach started talking about his approach to analytics and how he uses analytics and how he's used it to develop his program and ever since that conversation uh, I have wanted coach on the program here on the podcast to talk to folks about what he does, because I think it's really, really fascinating how he sees the game and how he uses numbers and different things to uh, to, to to run his team. So, uh, Coach, first of all, thanks for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate you coming on. No, I appreciate you having me. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about your history with analytics and how you kind of developed your philosophy or, or how you've kind of developed your system. Um, as far as my history with analytics, it's just something I really just stumbled into. I've, I've always been a numbers guy, uh, but, you know, typically growing up and even in my earlier years of coaching, I was more of a raw numbers guy. And let's see what these raw numbers do and and, and things of that nature. But now, um, you know, just over learning more in the last few years, I've started to move to more efficiency numbers uh, as opposed to just the raw numbers. Like, I couldn't tell you how many turnovers we had last year, but I could tell you what our turnover percentage is. Mm-hmm. And again, just the reason why that's important is because each game has a different pace. And so the raw number doesn't really tell the full story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so really focusing in on things like that and really trying to see what the data can tell me but then also making sure that I can validate what my gut is telling me with the data. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the data, but being able to validate or, or maybe find some different things that my eyes aren't seeing uh, through looking at, at the numbers. So what are some of the key – let's start here, uh, Yusuf. Let's, uh, what are some of the key data points that you start with, uh, the, the three, four, five – things at the top of your list that begins your uh the process at least on the analytical side of your decision making right uh for me everything is going to be tied to obviously our points for possession offensively and defensively you know trying to increase that margin uh, and grow that margin uh same thing with our effective field goal percentage you know it's not just about our effective field goal percentage but how could we increase the margin between ours and our opponents? 
And then probably the biggest thing for me would be turnover percentage Mm -hmm. and just making sure that we're below 20 percent. You know, we'd like to be 17 to 18 percent or below, uh, but being below 20 percent is really important to us. And, uh, you know, trying to make sure that our opponents are, you know, depending on on our talent each year and, and whether or not we're trying to play from a positional standpoint and force the right people on the other team to shoot or whether we're trying to turn them over sort of determines whether or not I want that, how focused I am on what that margin is with turnovers, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. No, no, it makes absolute sense. So where so so it's not uncommon for coaches to look at the categories that you're looking at uh, to help with their decision-making process. What I personally found fa- fascinating and and let me be clear, I, I'm saying that I was part of this conversation. It was Yusuf and two or three other coaches that were bouncing stuff off, and I just sat there for like a half hour and just listened. So I, I was I was I didn't even say a word this entire time. I was just taking it all in. And, and what I found really interesting about you, coach, is how you used those data points to help put together your lineups. I thought you, uh, and I don't know if you remember this or not, you were talking about how, uh, you know, how many different lineups you had and how you wanted to narrow that down. Kind of, kind of take us, uh, you know, how that has affected your coaching style and, and how you, how you substitute, how you build your lineups, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, no, I'll go back. It was, uh, probably 2018. Uh, I went back and looked after the conversation when I got back from Snow Valley and I started going back into the numbers in huddle and I, I just pulled them up here again. So in t- 2018, 2017, 18 year, uh, huddle really come out and they'd started doing things with the lineups and things of that nature. And so at the end of the year, I sort of dug into that to sort of see what I could find and see if there's anything I was missing or something I could pick up on. And the first thing that struck me is in that season, we played a thousand and forty two minutes. My top lineup, my top five-person lineup, had played 88 minutes together. Wow. Or 8.4% of the game. Mm-hmm. And so in my second lineup was only 7.4% of the game. So my top two lineups were only playing 15% of the time. The thing that really struck me was I had 284 lineup combinations during that season. Wow. Okay. And so just then, yeah, exactly, that wow, it sort of slapped me in the face and it sort of made me look at myself and say, I ought to be ashamed of myself because I didn't realize, number one, that I was playing that many combinations. Uh, I didn't realize that I wasn't uh, really allowing for consistency and for people to become familiar playing together. Uh, But just in looking at those two things, it just, it really slapped me in the face. so that 284 different combinations over 1,042 minutes. Take that now. Uh, the very next year, we, um, what was it? Let's see. a thousand and So 1,047 minutes, about the same amount of time. But we were down to 191. So we started our journey. We cut, you know, our lineups by about 90 uh, different combinations just in that year because, like, we just had to address that first before we dealt with anything with, you know, what our lineups are getting us, you know, we just wanted to play the better lineups or what we perceive to be the better lineups more. Uh So our top lineup that year was 13%, which was about what our top two were. 
so still a lot of room for improvement, but it, you know, it started us along the path. Mm-hmm. And then if we were to fast forward to this past year where we played the most games we've played in school history, we were 1,257 minutes. We only had 147 playing combinations. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so our, our top lineup played 27% of the time and our second lineup played 17% of the time. So you can see it was something that was really crucial uh, for us to make sure that we were getting some consistency in lineups. So how did you and your staff manage the lineup issue? Was it a lot of five in, five out? Or you you cut down your rotation to six or seven kids? Uh, how did you limit your lineup combinations to be the m- most efficient that you could be? Right. Well, we typically will pay about eight kids. Uh, typically, is sort of where we are, you know, in the games where the games are really close and they're really tight. We're typically at about eight kids uh, in our rotation, and we carry typically about ten now. Um, so, what we did was the first in Texas, our, our games are set up a little bit different. So, this year I'll play. Uh, what will I play? I'll play in two tournaments in the first three weekends. And I think I will have, what do you say, 14 games in the first basically two and a half weeks. So while that's a, that's a small sample size, but it's when you consider that last year we played 39, 14 is, that's a, that's a pretty good amount of, of, of data. Mm-hmm. So, um, a few years ago, I started really trying to pre plan substitution patterns. You know, mm-hmm. you watch the NBA and, you know, those are the best players in the world and, those players know when they're going in, when they're going out. And so I really just, I fought with that for a long time, but I really tried to put together patterns um, for us to sub in of what I think would be good lineups um, early on. And so we try to stick with that. Obviously, you know, fouls, injuries, anything like a number of things can come and make you change those things. Um, but through those first 14 games, we get a little bit of data. We can start to go back and and look at those, uh, you know, the points per possession, the effective field goal percentage, the turnover percentage, and compare that for each lineup versus what our overall team is. Mm-hmm. And then now when we have what our overall team is, that sort of sets our baseline. And so then now we can go in and we can look and see, well, how do these lineups compare to what our overall average is? And if I'm constantly putting lineups out there that are below what our team average is, then, I mean, just ideally, just by math, I'm doing things that are going to lower our team average. Mm-hmm. So we really try to go in and, and look at things and try to find the lineups that are going to increase our team average. And then we try to get to a point to where we're playing those lineups more. Mm-hmm. Is this something, obviously, uh, this dumb question by, by uh, this podcaster here, but uh, how do you communicate this to your players? I'm assuming you're communicating uh, the, the data with it and why this is happening, why this is not happening, per se, with, a, with an individual player. How do you and your staff communicate that to your team? We're just up front with them. Um, you know, this is still a relatively new process. I think one of the big things that, uh, we had to get across and, and that we still will have to get across because, you know, this is really new still for us is even in our parent meeting this year, we're going to talk about the fact that the varsity level, you know, it used to be back in 2018 and before that, 
where I would make a sub and I would sub a kid in because, okay, let's give this kid a chance to play in this role. Uh-huh. Okay, I didn't have any idea what that was going to do to the unit. Um, now I don't sub by kids. I sub by units. Uh-huh. So, for instance, uh, one of our – I was really excited coming into this season because five of what ended up being our top six kids – I was like, when this lineup is in, this is going to provide us a lot of spacing. This is going to provide us a lot of skill. This should be a great lineup for us. Um, We were .98 points per possession on the season. And this lineup that I'm talking about that I was incredibly excited about on the season was .6. Ooh. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it, It didn't make any sense. It was five of my top six kids. They're all very, very skilled. You know, we shoot 26.2 three-pointers per game. And so spacing and all of that is just so important. But after we go through those first 14 games, when I see that, that slaps me in my face. And so, you know what? If I go and I put that lineup in again, even though I thought that that lineup would be great, then I'm asking for it not to be very productive because the data is telling me that that lineup isn't producing the way that I think that it that I think that it should. Mm-hmm. And so I just didn't play that lineup anymore until we got to Christmas and an occasion came up during the tournament. And I was like, I'm going to go with it and give it another chance. I go with it. I get back after the tournament and it's just bad. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's just more proof. So that when we come to a playoff game and we're playing Tompkins in the third round and that one kid comes out because she's in foul trouble I had that other kid getting ready to go to the table, but I didn't realize. It, it was something where I thought it was one kid was in foul trouble, but it wasn't. And so when I realized that that was the issue, I had to bring that kid back because otherwise I was going to be putting this. They're not toxic kids. They're great yeah. kids. They're five of my top six players. But the puzzle but pieces just don't up. fit together. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And I think we all talk about the fact that it's the, you know, it's not the X's and O's, it's the Jane's and the Joe's. But like, I want to get to the point to where I'm not looking at that from the standpoint of, well, how do you have, you know, how do you have a good team? You just have more good players. I want to look at that from the standpoint of how do you have a good team? You play more good units mm-hmm. because it's about the units. You know, can those five players equal up to, to a higher sum of in their individual parts? Mm-hmm. And if they can, that's when you really start, you know, getting great things. Yep. How hard is it at times, kind of like what you're talking about here, you know, you're, you're fighting your gut and, it, and it's a combination. And, and I love the statement. I'm not going to say it. Uh, I'm gonna have you give the quote that you gave about analytics and your gut. What was the what was it that you said, Yusuf, at the table that day? What did I say? I, 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 it was I something missed. like, "I still coach with my gut, but analytics help me." Right. Or yeah, something like that. Uh, what yeah, was no, I, I still go with my gut. It's just that now I have more information, and when I have more information, I give my gut a better opportunity to be successful. Mm-hmm. So I know that whenever. You know, one kid gets in foul trouble. I've looked at this data enough to know, okay, this is what I should be able to expect if I put this person in. Mm-hmm. Uh, because now I know that that lineup is going to, should yield. It doesn't mean it's always going to happen, obviously. Sure. But that lineup in previous times has yielded these things. Mm-hmm. And so it should put my gut at ease just 
just like if I was to go into a test, if I've studied the information, I should feel a lot more prepared for that test. The data is me studying the information of my own team internally so that that way I can play the units that I feel are going to give me a better opportunity to win. Mm-hmm. How has this uh, system, we'll call it that, uh, how has this system helped you and your staff stay more organized and and to a large degree lessen your decision-making when it comes to game day? Um, well, to stay more organized, I sort of speak to that point. You know, when we're going through practice, we run short practices. You know, we'll start at 2.15. The longest practice we'll go through all year will be 4 o'clock. So that's an hour 45 for our longest practice all year. By the time we get to district, uh, especially the second time through district, if we're not lifting weights, we're done at 3 o'clock. If we're lifting weights, we're at 3.30. Mm-hmm. So we're really big on get in, get better, get out. Uh, and so just from a, an efficiency standpoint, an organizational standpoint, when we go in our practices and we're practicing, we can practice in these groups. Mm-hmm. So our first little five to eight minute segment could be with our starters. Our next five to eight minute segment is probably going to be with the group that I'm going to run on to the, that I plan on putting on the court second mm-hmm. and so on and so on. And now, again, there goes that familiarity that uh, we can build between our groups. And then typically I'll have one or two groups where I'm sort of experimenting because, you know, obviously you don't want to get totally just locked into that one thing, but you always want to be searching for how can I find something else? So I'll have one or two groups that I'll have each day that'll be sort of experimental. I think this will work. I don't really have a whole lot of evidence behind it from the numbers in the game. But let's take a look at it and let's see how it feels. Mm -hmm. And then whenever we get to the game, if I get to one of those situations and I get an opportunity to put one of those lineups in, then now I can see how it sort of manifests itself in the game and then sort of start to collect more data. Mm -hmm. Great stuff, Yusuf. Awesome. Uh, I was just entranced by you uh, when you were going through this stuff at Snow Valley, and I'm so glad we had a chance to talk about it. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about that you want to add to the conversation here? No, I just, I mean, I would just challenge people just to, you know, at first just start off and just look and see how, number one, how many lineups are you playing? How frequently are you playing them? And then are your top lineups yielding the most for your team? And then as you start off there, that that will start you on the path of 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 looking at things. And either you're going to look at it and you're going to say, oh, wow, this is something. Or you're going to look at it and you're going to say, okay, that's there. But I just challenge you to, to look and just to find out and investigate for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, if folks want to know more about your philosophy or anything else that you're doing there at Memorial – uh, what's a way they could get a hold of you, email, uh, social media, anything like that? Yeah, they could feel free to probably the easiest way to, uh, to contact me would be, uh, on social media. Uh, our basketball profile is sort of what our run on Twitter and it's seven, seven, zero, two, four basketball, just our, the zip code of our school and then basketball. So it's seven seven zero two four basketball, uh-huh. and uh, if anybody wanted to reach out to me, they could reach out to me as well. My uh, email address is Yusef.Larry 
at springbranchisd.com. Uh-huh. And I can get that to you and you can yep. you can put that in. Yep. Um, great stuff, Yusuf. Uh, really enjoyed uh, the time that we got to spend uh, spend together at, at Snow Valley. Sorry, I was catching up on sleep from my uh, vacation a couple of those <laughs> nights. But uh, uh, really enjoyed getting to know you. And uh, thanks for your time here today. Let's stay in touch. Yes, sir. Sounds great. You have a good one. Yep. Want to know more about a pen and a napkin and all the resources it offers? Go to a pen and a napkin.com, a great resource for any coach at any level. In addition to our a pen and a napkin university video library options that are available to order, we have hundreds of pages of notes from one page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links, a full catalog of every a pen and a napkin podcast, and ways to contribute to the growth of a pen and a napkin. A pen and a napkin.com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach. Our third guest this week on what I'm, again, I'm just kind of calling it damn fine ideas here. Uh, our third guest this week is Lindy Frieden, uh, the head boys basketball coach at Cheney High School, uh, which is down by Wichita, Kansas, just west of Wichita, about 20 miles. And uh, yeah, I saw this, the coach had this on Twitter a while ago, and I saw it. I'm like, that's a really, really good idea. It's really unique, especially the way that uh, coach communicates it with the public. And and so we're bringing in uh, Coach Frieden on the, on the podcast here for the next segment to talk about his motivational board. So, uh, Coach, thanks so much for coming on this afternoon. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you call it, I, I believe you call it your motivational boards. Where where did the idea come from, Coach? Well, I came up with the idea about 1992, and uh, I think I really got something in the mail probably sent to me back then. Um and I watch a lot of football, uh, college football. And if you ever watch a Michigan or, or a Ohio State football game, they get stickers on their helmets. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how they get them or, you know, how about their process is. But I always kind of liked that uh, football helmet idea. And at that time, 1992, I was coaching uh, girls basketball. And I saw these motivational poster boards where basically you get stickers when – either the team or you as an individual do something good. So uh, there's a way to get individual stickers. There's a way to get team stickers. And basically um, after each game, I take stats myself after the game. And um, we have a certain process that we go through to to get the stickers that I can talk about later. But uh, basically I hand out the stickers after the game the next day or two after practice. And then they put it up on their boards and, uh, I've been doing it for 30 years, so mm-hmm. basically it just started out as a way to try to motivate, at that time, uh, my team to try to maybe play a little harder, uh, and uh, again, it's it's been really good for us for the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, you know, you, you read my mind. Uh, you know, how does it work? What's the... Uh, what are the key things that you're looking for? Uh, if, if I'm playing for, for Cheney High, how can I earn some stickers on Tuesday night or Friday night? 
Right. Well, for the team stickers, um, and again, the, what I like about this is each coach can set the numbers how they want to set them. For you know, so if I'm a college coach, uh, my numbers might be different than a high school coach because the game's a little bit longer. But for us, as a team sticker, you get a defensive sticker if we hold the other team to 52 points or less, and that 52 number is just a number that. Um, you know, it's a goal for us. I feel like if we score 53, we're going to win. So everyone on the team that suits up, uh, 12 players, gets a defensive sticker, for example, if we hold them under 52. But also, if we shoot uh, 48% or higher as a team, you'd get a field goal sticker. And that 48 number you can raise or lower or whatever. Uh, just again, from my past, 48% has been a pretty good number. Uh, free throw uh, sticker would go to everyone that gets uh, we as a team we have to shoot 70 percent from the field so there's free throws there's field goals um, I'll, there's assist stickers so as a team you set your assist number whatever you want it to be um, and if we reach that goal everyone gets an assist sticker and uh, steals, assists, steals, rebounds. So there's different ways. Even if you don't get into the game, you're still part of our team, and I think you're an important part of the program. So you can earn team stickers, and then individual stickers you can earn. Uh, again, we set a number for every four rebounds you get. You get one rebound sticker. So if you get eight rebounds in a game total, that'd be two rebound stickers. Mm -hmm. For assist, it's every two assist you get, you get one assist sticker. So, and again, free throw percentage, field goal percentage. So, uh, and sometimes maybe from year to year, uh, the coach may change the numbers depending on what type of team you have. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's kind of exciting that I just, I can adapt the numbers a little bit how I want. And, uh, Again, it's really worked well for us. The kids are excited whenever I hand out the stickers, and um, we've had a lot of success doing it. Yeah, you kind of addressed my next question here a little bit. You know, uh, one of the things that we have a hard time with is, you know, at times we reward our top, you know, most of us are going to play seven to nine kids. And, you know, but we have 12, 13, 14 kids on a typical roster. So how, you know, you've got Billy, Jimmy, Freddie, Brad, and Joe in your starting lineup and two or three other kids coming off the bench. But how do you keep those kids who are who are not seeing much, if any, varsity minutes? Uh, they're not kind of getting... I don't know if embarrassed is the right word, but you know how do you how do you include them in in making them feel valued in the way that you do this? I just think you as a coach have to sell uh, that we're all in it together. Uh, basically, we're not we're going to win as a team and we're going to lose as a team. And uh, most of the time, we do suit up twelve guys, but last year we suited up fourteen. But our 14th guy, if we suit up 14, we just uh, make sure that he knows he's as important as our best player on the team. And uh, a lot of times the kid that never gets in the game, he's looking to see if we met the team number. So if if, if we met the team number rebound-wise, the goal's 28 per game. And if we uh, all have a kid that never got in the game, he's like, Coach, how many rebounds did we get tonight? Knowing that if we got more than 28, he's going to get a sticker. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think every kid's a little bit different, but uh, a lot of our kids – 
again, have bought into the process. We only do it for our varsity players, so it's something kind of the boards or something it you know to look forward to mm-hmm. uh, once you make varsity or getting a board. And um, every coach is different, but I. I always take the stats, like we take stats during the game with our managers, but then I watch film and take the stats myself again that night or the next day just to make sure the stats are legit. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of a numbers guy and I'm kind of a stats guy, but that's yeah. how we do it. Was there, you know, how long did it take for you personally to arrive at the the right formula for your team to, to correlate chasing a quote-unquote individual number like four rebounds or two assists but right. all, and, and, and keeping it reachable but yet having that carrot at long enough at the end of the stick that they've got to work for it you know uh, you know how long was the experimentation process for you with this I would say again a couple like whenever you or the boards that we order they give you recommendations okay. uh, meaning that the four rebounds they recommend that number they recommend the two assist and whatever else every time you take a defensive charge you get a defensive sticker so it, pr- probably maybe a year or two I played around with the numbers a little bit uh, two years ago, we finished twenty two and one, and uh, probably one of the better teams I've ever coached. But I almost felt like they were getting stickers, like too many stickers. You know, mm-hmm. people. Yeah, I had a couple people come up to me and say, "Well, maybe you, it's too easy to get stickers." But uh, we were really good that year, and uh, we had a, a lot of talented players. So I kind of kept the numbers. Yeah. I don't want to penalize my team by giving them less stickers just because we're pretty good. Yeah. So uh, yeah. that's how I look at it. You don't want to. It's kind of like being a teacher. You don't want to take a student who's not doing well and you feel bad for him, so you lower the standard uh, for your grading. Uh, Correct. You know that type of deal. I think that's kind of what you're looking at, right? Yeah, that's a great example. And, uh, you know, we just try to be consistent from year to year. And, I mean, I, I, I like it that as a coach, I have a little – I have a little bit of freedom that if I want to, if our goal is 52 points a game and we're not that good, maybe one year, maybe I can raise it to 55, mm-hmm. you know, points. So as, as a coach, I, I really like the idea that you can, you can make the program fit your kids. Mm-hmm. One thing, Lindy, that I thought was really unique, because I had tried something like this one year and you know, probably didn't follow through with it the way that I should have. We we had it was a good idea, but it you know it just kind of fell by the wayside. But I thought was really unique about you is a lot of teams when they would do something like this, they would keep it in the locker room. You have put it right smack dab on the wall in your in your competition gym in your varsity gym. What is kind of the thought process with that? Just, um, and I've done it over the last 30 years. One time we kept him in my classroom as a teacher. Uh, one time I think we did put him up in the locker room, but I would say, you know, the other 28 years we put him up in the gym. Uh, I like it for a couple different reasons. I like it that the community can see what we're doing. I like it that the kids all have a PE class where a kid never comes in. A kid does not play basketball, but he'll come up and he'll look at the basketball player's poster board and uh, he'll say, you know, coach, how, 
how they get all these stickers. And the other thing I really like is I think it's a motivational thing for the junior high kid mm-hmm. or the freshman who sees the poster board up there. And again, I'm just into motivation, trying to find any way I can to win. But when that freshman sees the board up there, their first thought is, I can't wait till I get my board up there. I can't wait till I start getting stickers. Mm-hmm. So um, I just think, it, again, it's I've had a few people question, well, why do you put them up in the gym? But I think there are a lot more positives and negatives to that. And mm-hmm. the other thing is, one year I had uh, a couple kids that would mess with the poster boards, um, yeah. you know, whether that's ride on them or, you know, bend them or whatever. But I've been really lucky and fortunate that uh, most of the schools I've been at, the kids have respected, you know, what we're trying to do and they're excited. And I, again, I think it kind of comes back to selling the program as a coach, which I've always tried to do. Yeah. Has there been, I think it's a really, really good idea, and and it's a great way to publicly acknowledge both individual and team success. Has there been any sort of downside to it at any point, other than you know a little random vandalism or something stupid like right. that? But but from a basketball point of view, has there been any downside to it? No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I wish probably the politically correct answer is, you know, come up with one <laughs> negative. But uh, we've been, I, I guess, for me to do it. For 30 years, um, there really aren't a lot of negatives. I mean, it, it takes a little extra work, you uh-huh. know, just uh, I, I would say maybe one negative is just trying to get the stickers out, you know, as quick as you can after the game, which I think is important. Mm-hmm. But if it's a Friday night game, you might not get them out till Monday or if it's a Tuesday game and we get snowed out on Wednesday and, you know, just trying to get the stickers back out because every coach is busy. I mm-hmm. understand that but I just try to put a significance on getting the stats taken after the game mm-hmm. and uh, getting the stickers out to the kids as quick as I can. Yeah. What, uh, for coaches that might, after listening to this, for coaches that might be interested in ordering this stuff, what, what where's the company that you get it from? How can they reach out to them? How can they contact them? Uh, it's out of South Carolina. I think it's called Fair Play South Carolina. And I I can get you the information after this phone call, like a, a phone number or whatever, but it's out of South Carolina, Fair Play, South Carolina, and I think it's called Motivational Poster Boards. Mm-hmm. And um, the other thing in your packet, for a certain price, you get 12 boards. Mm-hmm. But I always order three or four extra boards because I'm not – I want more than 12 boards, if that makes sense. So the 13th and 14th guy is not going to be penalized just because he wasn't on varsity in December. If you get on varsity, um, I guess if you're not on varsity in December, uh, the rule I've always kind of had is once you suit up two varsity games in the future, whether that's January or February, I'll get you a board up. Mm -hmm. But you got to suit up two, you know, two games and, uh, so I always order extra boards, and uh, the company out of South Carolina has done a great job of uh, working with me, and uh, it's not overly that expensive, which I kind of like, and uh, and the players like it too. So, mm-hmm. if if uh, folks want to know more about, like, if they kind of want your exact system or what you got going on with it, right, uh, Lindy? How would they, how would they be able to find you in this crazy world? 
Uh, any coach could email me um, at Cheney High School. Uh, my email address is lfrieden at usd268.org. Um, I'm all right if they would get a hold of you, and if if you, I'm okay if you hand them out my, or give them out my phone number. They can text me. They can call me. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'd be really willing to help any coach that would like more information on the program or mm-hmm. anything maybe that I didn't say that they'd have a question at. They could always email me or text me, whatever is easiest for them, and I'll try to get back to them within 24 hours. Awesome stuff. Any Anything else you want to add on this, Lindy? No, I, I just think it's kind of cool maybe 10 years from now, you know, 10 years after the kid's gotten out of my program, he'll come back to a game over Christmas break or whatever. And he'll say, coach, I still got my poster board. It's in my room or it's in my den or whatever. And so I I just think that, and not every kid keeps it for 10 or 20 years, but I've had a lot of kids come up to me afterwards. And even whenever I change, I've been in a a couple different schools and whenever I, you know, change schools and then I'll put a picture of the new school and the boards up, you know, the kids from the past will text me or call me and say, coach, I'm glad, I'm glad you're still doing those boards. I still got mine. So, um, I think that, you know, that makes me feel good. And, um, Again, I just want to try to find ways I can help us win, and I think this is a great motivational way to help us win. Awesome. Awesome stuff, Coach. Well, hey, really appreciate your time today. Uh, I, like I said, I, I love the idea. I think it's, you know, you can't do everything, but if you're looking for something uh, to, you know, again, push your kids individually and, and push the team, I, I think this is a really, really good system to put into place. So, uh, Coach, I really appreciate your time today. Hey, thanks a lot for getting a hold of me. I enjoyed uh, doing this. Yep, absolutely. Coaches, do you want to look good? Stupid question. Of course you want to look good. We all want to look good. You know what's the best way to look good? Buying yourself some a pen and a napkin merchandise. We've got some really, really good looking stuff here. We've got t-shirts and sweatshirts, and you are not going to regret picking that up. T-shirts are $22 a piece. Sweatshirts are $30 a piece. If I need to mail it to you, it's just $5 shipping and handling to get this good looking stuff out to you. Coaches, I appreciate all that you've done for me over the last three years or so with a pen and a napkin. I hope I've been able to help you out. Might as well come out and help out the Twitter handle and the podcast by ordering some a pen and a napkin merchandise. And like I said, you get to look good. If you're interested in ordering, you can DM me on Twitter at a pen and a napkin, send me a direct message, or you can email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, and I'll get you those ordering details so that you can order some a pen and a napkin merchandise. Last, but certainly not least, in our Just Damn Fine Ideas quick hitter podcast this week is Dave Lapisto, the head girls basketball coach at Kimberly High School in the fine state of Wisconsin, uh, 20 miles south of Green Bay, so uh, the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field is not that far away, Dave. I'm, I, 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 I'm assuming you've made a trip or two to Lambeau. Yeah, and I actually teach in Green Bay, so it's uh, oh okay. I, I, I I'm there every day. All Ask right, Lambo every day on my way to school. How, uh, twenty seconds on the feelings of Packer fans towards their former quarterback, Mister Rogers. 
Uh, 20 seconds, boy. Uh, <laughs> love them as I, I like watching them and uh, listening to them dissect offensive playing. Like even last night I watched uh, um, the new hard knocks with him at the Jets. Uh-huh. It's the off off the field stuff. I've, I think the people around here have had enough. Yeah. Enough of the drama. Yep. Enough of the drama, but still, yeah. you know, great quarterback. Yep. Time yep. for a change. Won't deny the talent, but it's just time to move on. Absolutely. Yep, yep. Well, let's move on from that. That's probably the most professional football we've ever talked on this podcast, Dave. So uh, <laughs> That's enough for me. <laughs> uh, let's go. Let's dive into, uh, you had a great post on your Twitter handle uh, about a week ago, uh, talking about your offensive tenants and, yes. and what you teach, how you teach it. Uh, and I thought, man, you know, this is this is a great thing to throw on here uh, and, and and to discuss for 15, 20 minutes here. Just just drill down on this topic because I, I think what I really liked about your your post, Dave, was mm-hmm. we all have our theories, but I think what's really uh, efficient by you and and your staff is you have really drilled down on this and you've really taken the theory and you've really honed in on it and then you see it play out on the floor i i, I think we all know w- whether we're we're running flex or we're running dribble right. drive or whatever it may be we all know in our minds what we want i think what the difference is is you have really drilled down on it and and i think that's really important for any coach to do what was the process in going about that dave you know that it all starts with how to figure out. You know, the, in offense, my goal is always to have five gravity players on the floor at all times. Okay, you know, gravity player. You know, that ball skilled shooter who can start and stop and pivot under control, all while making great decisions. And when you have a gravity player, it just enhances the space that you have to play in. Mm-hmm. And then your space that creates advantage because we're all about creating big advantages and finding those big advantages. And when you have big advantages, you produce open shots. And when you have open shots, you have a, a much better chance of making it. And the more makes you make, <laughs> the smarter it you creates look. creates more gravity. Yeah. You know, exactly. so, and it's just a big cycle. And so looking at how we teach this, it starts with our pillars, you know, of controlling space, number one. We want to make space, both individual space and team space, and making space and taking space when you have it, but then also team space, knowing when to just chill Mm -hmm. and hold space for a teammate. Mm -hmm. And when we control that individual space, you know, we work a ton on being able to beat your check and be able to get into that defender, near that defender, and then finish off two feet. Mm -hmm. And then... You know, we want to create advantage also with our tempo. So our yep. next, you know, tenant is playing at, we want to play as fast as we can, but not too fast. Yeah. We want to be like the, you know, like Goldilocks, just right. And we want to be able to dictate that. Uh-huh. And and then the next thing is for us, it's as simple as we got to touch the paint. Uh-huh. Our goal, we could, you know, we could pass it into the paint. We can dribble it into the paint. But each possession, unless it's a transition three, that ball should be touching the paint somehow. Mm -hmm. And then finally, you know, we want to take care of the ball. So the way that I state this in a positive way for our kids, we want to shot every possession. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a, we just got to take care of the ball. We want that ball to move. We don't want it to be sticky unless it's in prime, which is what I call our post areas. 
And, uh, you know, we just want to get that shot to every possession. Yeah. And so, te- you know, those things that no matter what you do offensively, like you had mentioned at the beginning, whether you're running a, a continuity offense or we're all conceptual. So everything's, you know, concepts. And then the kids just make decisions while they're playing out of a spacing template. Mm-hmm. And we want them to stack concepts together, but it all comes down to controlling space, controlling tempo, touching the paint, and then taking care of the ball, getting that mm-hmm. shot every possession. Yeah. I, I think that's, uh, there, there's two things that pop into my mind. Uh, number one, you're talking about taking care of the ball and controlling tempo. And, and one of the things that, uh, when I had Roy Williams on, he talked about how he wanted his teams to be efficient, not necessarily yes. fast, but, but really, Correct. really efficient. And one of the things that I challenged my own team with going into this summer, and I think our kids did a really, really good job with it, you know, how fast can we play without turning the ball over a lot? And that's, yes. that's how fast we want to play. And, and that's, that's, that's the, that's the gauge. And, and if that means we've got to go a little slower, but we take care of the ball, you know, that's, that's, that's just it, you know? And, and so that's one thing that we've done. And then you brought up that, you know, you want to win every, you know, uh, end every possession with a shot. Uh, yes. our, uh, one of my, one of, one of my good friends, Matt Terman, he's the, the football coach at the, at Scott Catholic, where I used to teach at and coach at, he used to tell mm-hmm. his guys, we want to hit, we want to end every possession with us but- kicking the ball. Uh, yes, whether whether that's a punt or a or a field goal or an extra point, and, and again, second football reference. Boy, we're rolling in the pigskin today. So, <laughs> but uh, I, I think those are, and, and I and I assume Dave that you're you and your assistant coaches are preaching these four tenets over and over again, and you're consistent with your verbiage. Absolutely, and then it's just our kids learning and understanding our actions, and I put a name to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when, the way that we practice this, you had mentioned at the beginning, and you know, how do you practice these things? You know, we play a ton of, first of all, one-on-one to learn how to take that individual space and to finish. But then in a lot of different advantage situations, two-on-one, three versus two, four versus three. But then just starting two-on-two and asking questions with kids. Okay, tell me all the ways that you can score in two-on-two. You know, so it's to a simple pass and cut. I can cut to prime and the kids understand our spacing template where, you know, our template is basically five out, mm-hmm. but we have low post, which I call prime and then high prime. And then we also play out of the slot. So kids, we, you know, there are times in our spacing template where we have overloads just naturally. And then there's more space to be able to attack on the opposite side. And then we just run a, a two-side fast break, uh-huh. which just flows right into our template. And then the kids learn, like I always tell them, you can't be wrong uh-huh. if you're spacing the floor. And, you know, if, if, uh, if a player, say, all she is able to do or is secure in doing is passing and cutting and filling, uh-huh. she can function just fine. Yep. But then as kids learn and we, we add you know, just say, okay, we're playing two on two. So now I could use a ball screen. So for us, it's, if I pass it to you, I can chase the ball. So that's our chase action. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, get a ball screen or I could dribble and flip it to you and I chase it. So that's dribble chase. That would be like a handoff. Yeah. So the kids just learn those actions. And then we just in practice, then we'll go three on three. So now you can add away from, you know, away screens 
and then split action. And then we'll just play out of different areas out of our template. And then you start and then with pinning. So then we'll go, you know, add a fourth player. And then my language for our kids, and I started with youth kids, it's, you know, screen pin for a friend on the way in, screen for a friend on the way out. And just those simple language sayings helps the kids understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it's just rinse and repeat a bunch of, you know, like, okay, let's, we're, we're playing three on three and hey, let's start with an away action and split. You know, I don't care if you back cut it. I don't care if you curl it. I don't, I don't care if you straight cut it, but let's just split mm-hmm. and, and then just play out of it. And yep. then we just work, work a ton on drive reactions. You don't know where to go when your teammate drives. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that's basically how we teach offense. And it's a, it's a fun way to play. It's a fun way to coach. But it's, and it's relatively simple. But it surely isn't easy, correct? You know, because the, because the kids have to make a bunch of decisions, and as coaches, we have to live with those decisions. But we watch a ton of film. I mean, that's why I, I'm with willing to share, you know, film all the time, mm-hmm. because what we what we do isn't a pattern. I mean, we just the kids are running different actions, and it's it's hard to scout. Mm-hmm. Um, we have have some things that we do often, but it's still not a call per se. Yeah, but. But the beautiful part about putting a name to everything is that we're coming out of a timeout and say, hey, let's get put our best shooter in the corner and let's empty cut to high prime and let's get a get. Let's go get action. You know, the kids know the language and then we're able to, for lack of a term, lack of a term manipulate the possession mm-hmm. just through our through our language and where we would want a kid to cut to. Mm-hmm. And uh, it uh, it's. And like I said, to get the kids to play free within that template is the key. Yeah. And uh, allow them to make mistakes. And Mm -hmm. we watch, like I said, we watch a ton of film and and just look and ask a bunch of questions. And what do you see here? You you, you can't, can't be wrong, but there are sometimes better versions of right. Yep. When you say you're watching a film, you're watching a lot of film with the kids and pointing out things? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We film every practice. Um, I'll send them clips. Um, they follow me on Twitter, so they see a ton of it on their own. Uh-huh. Um, but then we, in during season, we focus completely on us. So we will have probably about 12 minutes of, of clips, and that would be the film that we watch because we don't want to do it too long. Yep. But it's usually okay, here's three really good possessions and now let's have a possession in there where it was a little struggle. Like, then we'll talk it like, okay, if we're, what makes more sense? Because mm-hmm. um, uh, th- th- we really want kids to be able to go in the correct direction mm-hmm. off their drives and being able to take that space, which is part of our pillar, you know, that control space. Mm-hmm. And so there's that's the type of film that, you know, we go three good ones, one not so good, you know, let's try to find three more really good ones. Yep. And we, we usually look at the different actions that we that were successful. Mm-hmm. And when we see those successes, we have a tendency to keep repeating them and uh, and then adding on to things as kids see. Yeah. You know, like, hey, all of a sudden, suddenly back screen, and then a kid's pinning on the way in, and all of a sudden it looks like we're running the flex. Yep. You know, it's just, it's organic. So it, it's it's hard to scout. Yep. Um 
are, are you in a unified district or like a closed district or whatever, Dave? In well, we have Kimberly is just a one high school district. Okay. Um, okay. So, so you you pretty much have your kids when you start them in second, third grade. They're headed to Kimberly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Now Wisconsin does have school choice, and we're we're real close. But we're our Kimberly kids stay in Kimberly. I mean that's and yeah, I have yeah. them. I start them in in second grade, and we'll we'll start working on literally making space and taking space mm-hmm. and learning what an advantage is mm-hmm. and then we just play a ton of two-on-one mm-hmm. three-on-one little little passing games where kids have to find the advantage and then a bunch of tag because i'm an elementary fire teacher so we learn how to move efficiently mm-hmm. you know and how to how to take space which yeah. for a second grade little uh, you know elementary girl yeah. is not the easiest thing to do but, uh, but it, it's a great way to start. Yep. At what grade do you really start introducing the the real foundation of these movements to your players in a real, you know, like in an organized fashion? Like, yeah, this so is what we're going to do. When our kids start playing, unfortunately, they're playing five on five, but they're playing five and five in third grade. So in my setup, it's all pass cut. Yep. Pass cut. Everything is pass cut and just learning again how to take space because, you know, third graders playing and then unfortunately the way they play around here, you're playing at a 10 foot hoop, you know, so you're, you're not going to get a bunch of buckets yeah. you know, to say. So that's where in the summer we play just all two on two and three on three mm-hmm. when they're with me in our camp and our skill session. But then all winter, they're playing five on five. So fourth grade is, again, it's all pass cut. Fifth grade, um, the way they run it in Wisconsin, there's <clears throat> at certain times a year, they can actually start being pressed. Uh-huh. So that's where, again, they're learning the spacing template, running to the corners, you know, being able to fill a wing, and then just learning how to play in that space. Um, I really don't start screening until about sixth grade when and uh, seventh grade when they're teams can start zoning because mm-hmm. um, I find because we pin the help side so much as kids get older mm-hmm. that it's I believe it's simpler to teach screening when you're pinning the zone because the kids know where that defender is so if it's a two three zone they learn how to pin with the ball on top will just pin that high elbow defender and they learn what short pin and skip is that's what we would call that and just learning how to pin somebody versus a zone mm-hmm. has helped us. Um, and then I'd introduce some ball screen things just by seventh and eighth grade. And, but it's just learning the language and it's just all about learning how to play in space. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing is for us, again, it's being able to touch the paint either with the dribble or with a pass. And, you know, seventh and eighth grade, we start playing out of prime mm-hmm. and anybody, anybody can be there. We work on all those skills all the way up, but the kids who are in third, fourth, fifth grade, sixth grade, they don't worry about that spot. But then they get to seventh grade, and well, they've done all of the skills, and now they learn that's another spacing spot. Yeah, and it it just you know scaffolds on, and mm-hmm. uh, that's basically how we build. Where by the time they get to me, you know, and we have great youth coaches, which is nice, and by the time they get to me, we are able to just play 
relatively free with good understanding of space. Mm-hmm. And as you know, and, and I say this, though, spacing's always a work in progress. As soon as you think your spacing's good, you know, <laughs> it, it, it goes out the window. Yep. So we, we talk space every day in practice. I put, you know, tape on the floor. We go on the four point line. We are, you know, we want it higher and wider than, than, uh, and that three point line because we don't want to hug that line. Yeah. So we, we we talk space, both individual space against who's guarding you and team space every day in practice. Yep. Uh, great stuff, Dave. Uh, la- last question for me. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you do with, you know, coaches listen to this, like, hey, this is great. Really, I've, I've got three or four kids that can really create some gravity, but my four and five or my five and six, boy, they really struggle and, and that type of, so, so how do you implement those kids that don't have the same level of ball skills to create that gravity? How do you try to, what are, what are some things that you've done to compensate and still get good spacing as best as you can while having, uh, that, that one or two players out on the floor that the, the other team doesn't have to respect as much? Yeah, in in the and that happens to us occasionally. Like last year, we'd have, you know, three kids on the floor that with really good gravity, and then two who just didn't shoot the ball all that well. So what the best thing that I've found over the years for those players because they could all handle the ball, it, it, it was fine because we're we're positionless, so it's it's they could handle fine. So we just use them in actions that if a team is not guarding them per se, mm-hmm. so get get action, yeah. we use a ton and dribble chase. So handoffs. Mm-hmm. So if they're, if they're not guarding, so at the bare minimum, Hey, they can still turn the corner. We can make a layup, you know, and it, it takes advantage of if they're not going to help, you know, we'll have those kids be screeners, you know, they're pinning, you know, they, Hey, that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Look to pin more. And it's through discussions and what you do well, you know, yep. what role is helping our group. Yep. Um, pinning and, and dribble chase, those are the two things that we really, really, really do for kids who may not have that gravity, um, you know, that shooting ability where they're not being sometimes not even guarded per se. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that that's the big thing. Mm-hmm. Great stuff, Dave. If uh, folks wanted to know more about your philosophy, the, the stuff that you'd be willing to share, where would they find it from? Uh, how could they find it? You know, how could they contact you if they wanted to talk more to you? Yeah. The, the easiest way is to follow me on Twitter or X or whatever it's called. Now. Yeah. Whatever, um, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's DL Fayed. Then on there, there are links to my uh, Vimeo site that has, I think I have probably about 600 videos on there of actions over 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the easiest way to contact me and you can direct message me there. Otherwise it's Kimberly girls, basketball at gmail.com. That's my email. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me. And uh, it's, it's been fun because I know there's going to have a zoom tomorrow morning with a coach from Georgia. And, uh, 
it, it's it's just a lot of fun because I love talking this. And every time I talk to coaches, I always steal something for myself and say, oh, yeah, maybe I'll do it that way. Wow. So it's a it's a fun way of uh, learning. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Dave, I really appreciate your time here. If you could hold the line just a second as we wrap up. Sure you're, can. You're, you're my fourth of four here this week. We've had four uh, terrific guests on talking about four very diverse topics whether it's analytics it's it's motivation it's it's offensive movement we've had a lot of different things on here this week and it's been a lot of fun coaches i hope you have really liked it uh so uh check this out like subscribe give us five stars uh, check us out on Twitter out at, at a pen and a napkin. I don't have my usual script in front of me. You think after 180 some of these, I'd have this memorized? But you know, it's <laughs> it's, it's also my first day of school, so my brain's a little bit mush right now. But uh, absolutely, we've, we, we've got some great things in the hopper here with a pen and a napkin. Got a big announcement coming. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out there. This is this is gonna be dropping on Monday morning, uh, whatever that date is the the 14th or something like that, 15th. Uh, gonna have a big announcement sometime this week. Uh, a really big thing for a pen and a napkin. I think, folks, uh, I think it's gonna be a great opportunity for a lot of different coaches uh, to check out. So, coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.